Shemai a Kroiso. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. This week we are in Anastawi, a lovely little village club just outside Swansea, where the first 11 play in the South Wales Premier Cricket League Division 2. I met with a number of the committee on a still dark February evening to talk about the club, its history, and plenty more besides. I'm uh, Ian Evans, I'm president of the Anastawi Cricket Club. Um, I started playing cricket here when I was 14 in the mid 70s. Um, played for about 20 odd seasons, uh, started off in the second 11, ended up in the first 11. The highlight for me was getting promoted from Division 2 into Division 1 during my playing days, which was a great feat at the time for Anastawi Cricket Club. I've then held, once when I finished playing cricket, I held just about every position possible on the committees throughout the years, um, secretary, vice chairman, and I've ended up as, uh, as president, which I'm very proud of. Uh, I'm one of four brothers who've all played cricket as well, for Anastawa, uh, with differences in, in successes. Um, but one of my brothers is here tonight, just Kerry there, and he's the second brother down from me. And he's an umpire now. And what were you as a player? I, I started off as an all-rounder, um, predominantly a batsman, but I got some slow left-arm spin. But in the latter years, I just carry on with the batting and the, the slow left-arm spin, but left behind. Steve Beasley, I'm the secretary of the cricket section. Uh, I've been associated with the club for, this is my 31st season. Um, I used to play badly. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I captain when we introduced the fourth eleven. Uh, I captain that, uh, being the only one uh, old enough able to drive the boys around. That ball fruit simply because most of those players are now playing first or second team cricket here. As as a little toddler, they they progressed. Thoroughly enjoy it. That's why I'm still here. Ah, uh, Jason Kiley. Uh I'm pretty new to the club. Joined here about seven, eight years ago. Uh, one of the older guys got me to uh, play here. Played for about two, three seasons. Then I was made captain of the seconds. And basically my highlight of being captain of the second team was out of the side that I had two 15-year-old boys. One was opening batsman, one was opening bowler. Went on to play for the first team at the age of 15. And I think he had an half-decent season between them, the two of them, especially the bowler. But uh, unfortunately, now they, they, they don't play no more. And it's crazy, and he's still young. He's only about 20. That was the highlight of me of being a skipper and just trying to bring all the youngsters through as, as best as we could. Like, so. We'll have a little chat about that later. Yeah. Um, sorry, Steve, I forgot to ask you, what sort of a, what player what sort of player were you? Batsman, bowler? Lower order batsman and wicketkeeper. And yourself? Yeah, bowler I was. Okay. Uh, I opened the bowling for the seconds. Okay. I did have a game for the first. My one and only up in uh, Penarth in the Welsh Cup. Double bouncer, Double as I bouncer. remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad pitch that day. But in all fairness, the captain, he brought me in as a bowler. He opened the bowling for in the Welsh Cup. He only gave me four of us, mine, but four of us, one for 17. I won't forget it. I did have a wicket. But uh, yeah, it's just, like you said, since I've been here eight, nine years, maybe ten, great club. Brilliant. Can't fault it. Um, I'm Lewis Rowe. I'm the treasurer of the club and player. I used to be third team captain until the last season. 
I'd been playing for the club since I was eight or nine, I think it was, well, training and stuff like that. And yeah, my proudest moment was probably when I played in the Swaylex Stadium for the under 19s team in the Welsh finals, which was really good. My bat has got better as the years have gone on, so I'm hopefully opening bats for now and trying to cement that spot in the second team for this year. So I'm Kerry Evans, I'm the president's brother, one of the four Evans boys who played for the club. Um, I played for the club from the age of probably 14, 15, when there was no junior sections, just straight into senior cricket. Um, opened the bat in for the first and seconds for many years, captain the second 11, and in fact, captain the second 11 when we won the first division second 11 championship for the first time in the club's history back in the late 80s, I guess, early 90s. Can't remember exactly when, but that was a success. Scoring 100 was a, is a proud achievement personally. Played in two indoor finals at Lords for the club, which was fantastic uh, for the club itself. Um, since retiring from playing cricket 12 years ago, I became an umpire. I progressed through the leagues. I'm now a Premier League umpire. And as of this year, I'll be a national panel umpire. But in any time I can give something back to the club, I do friendly games for the club and the odd cup game for the club as well. Not like him umpiring for us though, because he always... Uh... <laughs> he gives his brother out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he's out, he's out. <laughs> I'm Phil Rowe, I'm chair of Anistoa Cricket Club. Um, I've been for the last four or five years. Um, I've, I've been in love with this club since... Or, probably 40 years now um, and again as Kerry said I started playing the year and there was just an under 16 side I was about 13 or 14 so it was just starting under 16s that was the beginning of the junior section as we knew it then within Ernest Tower uh, a couple of the old heads took it and uh, we went from there so played all through the years um, and again it's very similar to Kerry to be honest played a few first team cricket and mainly second in cricket, I was captain the seconds and and our role was really getting players through the first team and over the years we've been pretty damn successful at doing that. And you were a batsman bowler? Oh poor poor batsman and poor bowler. Good slip fielder though. Excellent slip fielder. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and the gentleman who's just joined Paul, us Paul, Paul Crane and the vice chairman. Next year is my fiftieth year associated with Unstubber, which is and time has flown, so you know I remember the days when we could barely get two teams, let alone what we've got now, which is which is quite remarkable. Played at Lords when we won the Village Cup in 2001. Player of the Year in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. And now the groundsman. I love that. What all I found is the older I get, the more interested I am in the history of the club. As a youngster coming through, as long as he could play cricket, but understanding the roots and the history of the club, and there's been lots of of fantastic landmarks uh, allowing us to 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 be the successful club that we are today. Um, by way of example, I was only saying to somebody yesterday that uh, as Tower where bought the land. Just imagine this: in 1953, they bought this four-acre piece of land bought the freehold when there was just about one club socially in the village used to play in the park 
and, and in today's money, it cost the committee of the day £10,000. And that's a lot of money. So, so, and that legacy lives with us because the ground's ours, it's free, nobody can touch us. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's always a challenge, isn't it, to, to live up to that and make sure that we have something to pass on. Purchase the ground in 1953, there was a relation, a uh, distant relation of yeah. mine and Kerry's actually, it was, a, it was an uncle of ours. Right, I don't remember, I, I never met. Now, our father played here in the 50s, who was his uncle, um, and that's how we developed as cricketers, and uh, the generation continued. You've all mentioned being in the, in the village and a long association with the, with the village. You want to say a little bit about the village? What I mean, do people... Is this a place where people stay for long periods of time, and or do you get kind of new people coming in, or how's how? It's generally somewhere where most people live here. They don't tend to move. Um, over the years, the village has grown um, and developed. Um, there's always been a hard core of families that I can remember living here, and I go back. You know, I was born in 1960, so. There's a hardcore family still around here from, from my early days as a, as a child growing up. Um, and at the end of the day, it's still very much a village. I mean, it's got the cricket club, obviously. There's a football club attached to it. We have a school. We have one pub. And there used to be a chapel, which is sadly now gone. Um, but it still retains very much a village atmosphere. And, and the post a, office has gone as well. And the post office has gone as well. Office, yeah. And as a cricket club, um, I think that's one thing we, we, we've always tried to maintain. We've, we've tried to, over the years, develop and push the boundaries, realising that we're still a very much focused village cricket club. Getting to Lords, finals, etc. As a small village as we are, is something which the whole village remembered. Um, yeah, and it's... I'm proud to be a villager here and uh, a volunteer. So. What was here then when the club started in '53? I'm, I'm looking at you. Yeah, it, it was. It, it was looking on my phone. Uh, it, there's, a, there's a famous photo of the clubhouse. Okay. So the clubhouse was, wasn't it? Two changing rooms and a lean-to shed for the team. Until 1953, it was extremely social. The photos that we've got of the community, that's what it was, a social club, you know, they dress up in their pomp and big dresses and go to the local, it was up to, it didn't enter any leagues of, of any sort, but in 1953, um, when, it, when it was born, the day you were celebrated by the whole community coming together, carrying the pavilion from the park, which is what, 250 yards, walking across, down the fields, and putting it where, where this club is now. And that was typical of us tower. Local clubs, you know, in, in the day, it's, it's oh, Sunnest Tower, it's a village club. They expect village facilities with village players, which, which we grabbed that and, and we moved from the old little pavilion, which was regularly flooded up to the roof, because we're in a flood zone. And then we moved to the far side, a couple of porter cabins. Became a bit more social, didn't it, Phil? It became a bar area and a lounge. That was the birth of the modern club, really, yeah. wasn't it? When, when we moved, and it was temporary, almost demountable type um, buildings that we have over there. But if we look back in time, I think 
really that was the start of us as as, as a cricket club, shall we say. And when are we talking about that? What, what? Oh, this was until 81. Yeah. And then we went over there, um, 82, 83. Yeah. And then this was built in 98. 98, yeah. So we had probably, yeah, probably just shy of 20 years in the demountable over there. And those were, I think everybody will say, they were fantastic times as as a social and as a cricket club because the way that it was structured there was a very small back room and a larger open area in the front and what used to happen was uh, after a game on a Saturday the players would then congregate in the back room have a good few pints and a laugh and it was very condensed and you know it really was good times and that was how we started to bond I noticed in the other room there's a sort of series of photographs about a catastrophic fire at some point sure. in the late 90s. Mm. Anybody remember that? Or yeah, yeah, we all we were all part of the club then, and you know, it happened. I think it was on a, a Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Oh my God, the club's called fire. We can't play cricket here Saturday. It was during the season in May, I think it was. And we all rallied round, we had porter cabins up, we brought the boundary in, we got porter cabins for the players to change in and, and to socialise in after the game, wasn't it? Yeah. We all rallied round. Yeah, Good and times. that was the end of the double building as we speak. It couldn't be repaired, could it? It was just yeah, totally beyond repair. You saw the pictures in there, you could see the state on it, and as it happens, luckily enough, the, the plans were in place and this was already on its way up, should we say. Tell us about this magnificent uh, facility that you now have, um, because it's fantastic. Uh, arriving oh. here, you you cannot be but impressed with with you know what what's available here. So. Thank you. That's that's very kind. It was uh, the initial build was lottery grant funded, uh, and there was a lot of members of the club at the time uh, who were fundraising for the additional cash because it wasn't all totally funded we had to sort of uh, match a certain element of it I wasn't involved in it at the time but from my memory um, you know a lot of the, the social club got together and they raised the additional funds selling Tesco vouchers selling everything that they possibly could in order to raise the additional finance um, and as I say the lottery funding then uh, funded, the, funded the rest it had to be to certain specifications so we had to incorporate a lot of things like have to have the um, playing facility downstairs and the, the changing rooms had to be of a certain size. So the, the story of the, the indoor training area, the indoor nets we have downstairs, is that came about because we were in a flood prevention zone and when we were in a position to be able to put a new clubhouse together, the architects obviously knew we were in a flood prevention area. So their advice was, and their drawings were, and the insistence was that we built the club as it is on, I would call stilts, but the way above ground. Because even though um, environment, environmental agency suggested be every hundred years that we'd be possibly getting floods, um, I, I guess the architect didn't want to take that risk. So that's how the club was built that way. And I was on the committee at the time, and people said, well, what are we going to do with that empty space underneath? And then I forget who it was, but somebody came up with the idea of well, maybe putting uh, some indoor nets in there. 
So that came about as a secondary, if you like, from the way the club was designed. Not as a primary. We didn't think of indoor netting until we thought about what we were in the space because it had this club. But it just, it's just worth reminding everyone that this building came about. You're right, quite right, it's on stilts because up to the first, up to this floor was the level that the river that the river would overflow. And I'm not talking, you know, every four or five years, for, for, for every year until the council dredged the, 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 the river and they did some some flood, flooding. We don't, we, I don't think we've had it flooding since. I seem to remember our neighbours when they saw the neighbouring farmers. When they saw this going up, they put loads of applications in for housing, and it was all kicked, all kicked into touch. But the idea was, be, this is a community club. You know, we, we could not have got it just for the cricket. There's so many people now that use that hall downstairs. So it's all not just our players. The, the hall downstairs is in use every evening of the week, a lot of the afternoons as well, a lot of weekends, and by probably... Eight to ten local clubs, would you say, Paul? Oh, at least. Yeah, and schools, and Wales. football, Cricket Wales use it, Disability Cricket Wales. And this space in here, I mean, this, you know, I've been to a few, my wife's from Rotherham, so I've been to a few clubs up uh, around uh, right. that place, and, and this knocks the spots off some of the, the local uh, clubs, and working men's clubs and so on up there. Well, um, so this must be a fantastic place for people to hold events. And yeah, we do have um, a lot of events in here, um, whether they're internal club events with bands or whatever, or dinners. We host weddings and things like that as well. So it's it's quite diverse. A lot of people hire the place for parties as well. So yeah, it's it is quite well used. Obviously, it was COVID shut the, the hall down for a while, but starting to get back on its feet. Now. Oh, one time. Up until ten years ago, perhaps, or perhaps a little bit longer, we boasted to have the longest bar in Swansea because the actual serving bar went from that wall to virtually the other side of the table there and returned. But people used to come in here for the first time and see the bar, and yeah, you know. <laughs> but getting back to the cricket. The period when all of this development of the club's kind of infrastructure feel like was going on was also a pretty good period for junior cricket. I've noticed it's described as the golden age or the golden era, the nineteen nineties. Sure. Want to tell us a little bit about about that? We had a guy, Derek Hubschmidt, who uh, next player himself played for Skewin, never played for Stoke at that time. Not at that time. No. Um, and there's a lot of people that would know him by Dexy. Dexy, yeah. And if you ask about colourful characters, I think everybody that knows him yeah. will agree he's quite a colourful character. Okay. But anyway, he put together a, an under 11 side, and that side stayed together until they were 16. And that was the golden era of youth team cricket in Anastoa. Uh, I think that team won just about everything there was to win. Uh, they were excellent. We got to the national finals twice, lost on both occasions, but we got there. Um, and there's a lot of those players who are now playing senior cricket for Anastoi, still. So junior cricket wasn't part of the club uh, you know, until 
until 45 and then you know, we became the most successful club. We heavily invested in junior cricket through those years and we would not be, I, I'm, I'm adamant with this, we would not be here playing senior cricket at the level we're playing at if we had not invested in the junior cricket through those years. That's very true. I want to talk a little bit about that 2001 season uh, and the Village Cup. Um, I've been fortunate enough to speak to some of the gents from Gallatin uh, and Anna Segaru, um, who, who both kind of had their time at Lord's. Do you want to say a little bit, Paul, about your memories of that season and that match? And yeah, I just, you know, we've we've entered the team in the village since village cup since nineteen seventy two. So so we've been brought up village club, village cup, village tournament, the Hague, um, and I think the best we ever got was was. 75, 76 we beat, we beat um, St Fagans who went on to win it several times we beat them in the local uh, in the local area final so um, every year we'd enter never really got anywhere but it was but it was always a passion of ours to get food but as the years got on and we had the benefit of the juniors we, we started to see the juniors come through into that team and I think that the juniors winning all the trophies that they did in the 90s, all of a sudden it was just like a, this is the year, this is the year. Um, and, it, and it was 2001, wasn't it 2001? Yep, yep. Um, and uh, the, the, the Village Cup started like any other Village Cup, we won a couple of games and we played Oxford Downs. Then we played Menehenyot away in the quarter final down in Cornwall. And we played St Margaret's Street here at home in the semi final. And that day, on Sunday obviously, raining in that field, raining by the river, raining in that field, raining across the road. Thankfully, this ground was dry. Wasn't it? Somebody was looking after you there. And we knew. At that time, I think it's our day now. It's always been a big um, passion of us as a club. The fact that we won it yeah, adds to that. But to be honest, the, if you ask any of the supporters, they enjoy the club. They enjoy the Village Cup because it takes us to places where you don't normally go on a Saturday. And you get people that join us on these occasions that you just generally may not see on Saturday to Saturday, but they come... For the Village Cup games, you know. Oh, excuse me a second. Yeah, that, that particular day, um, I can't remember how many coaches were in there. Certainly there were two or three from, from the club itself here, but there were coaches, there were people from Cheddar, coaches from other cricket clubs. 18 coaches we Was it 18 yeah. coaches all together travelled up to, to Laws to see Anastasia play? Um, and it was incredible, obviously it was incredible for the club, it was incredible for local people as well. It was, it was the build-up was just as good as the day because you know, Kevin might be you know Welsh Welsh radio and Welsh TV. You you, you were interviewed. We had interviews from different um, uh, channels, uh, photos. And, you know, you just you, it was just 
remarkable how the focus was on and as to how they build up the week. Um, and and, and a couple of things I remember the week before, which is often forgotten. You know, our bread and butter was was you know stayed in the, in the first division of the South Wales League, and we were in the relegation zone. So we had to win our last game, stay in the division. So it, I think it took our minds off. Lords, and it would be Davin. I think we comfortably beat Davin that last game, uh, and then it was a real push to you know to Lords. Um, my personal memories are the dinner where where the opposing side that remind me of the side can my mother Elveston Elveston from Derby and they'd won it the previous they'd year they'd won it the yeah. previous year and, and it was just we're going to win it again type thing let, let me tell you we're going to win it again and, and um, the groundsman of the day in, at Lords was Welsh and Elveston had, and insisted that the previous season they were in the away changes they insisted that they should win the home teams. But the, the, the grounds of the day, I don't know if you remember his name. Gareth Williams. Gareth Williams from said, no, 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 no. Yeah. I've already set out the home changing room for Miss Tower. And, it, 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 and our flag was up there, wasn't it? It was just, it was just a wonderful occasion. Um, if you look on our, uh, the roof of this club, we've got a father time there. But Gareth got us from Lords. We've got one of Lords' father times on our pavilion. He looked and after us. Yeah, he did. Then the, the dinner the, the, the night before, um, it's a traditional dinner, and our chair at the time, Glyn Jones, made an, an excellent speech. Um, you know, quite a heartwarming. It was indeed, I remember it. Um, not a tearful speech, but a very emotional speech, and it was certainly roused up the boys. And the game itself? Can you remember the, any details? Again, from, from the changing room, obviously, you're sitting in the balcony as if you're some sort of cracker. Well, you're not really, because you're sitting there and, and it was just painful for about 30 overs. I think 30 overs, we scored about 70 runs, but only two wickets down. And and um, we were all thinking, hang on a sec, this is a bit embarrassing. And then two or three of our big hitters got in, one of the two of the boys who batting slowly will run out accidentally on purpose and 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 we scored 190 I think it was so so we scored like 100 runs in 10 overs um, but for everybody else I think you'll remember we had a bowler called Paul Dishkin uh, who took and he's still a record yeah. seven wickets or six six, six. six. Yeah, six, six for something then. like 17, 18 or 19 so, so I think we're talking about this is a top premier side played or just took a motivation um, and he, he just took six wickets for 16 or 17 it's 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 still to this day the record uh, and again he would be known as Dishy okay so Dishy if you're listening to this you know who you are mate mm. I, I, and I remember watching that bowling performance because, you know, we struggled a bit with the bat. We, we, we thought we'd put the target on the board, which was bowling the left. But I remember watching Paul and as he's going through the wickets and the old saying goes, pinching yourself. And I, I really was, because I was looking at, I wasn't president then, but I was looking, I was very passionate, obviously. I always remember looking up the scoreboard and then another way would go, and I'd be pinching my, my thigh, thinking, am I seeing, Correctly, I mean, really seeing this happening, and it was incredible. 
Did she was an opening bowler? Open bowler, yeah. Quick, 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 quick right bowling in his time, yeah. For Wales, did he? Yeah, he did, yeah. But on the final, on the final, Derek Upsmith told me a story, and I don't know how true if it is, but he boys bear me out. Uh, their opening bowler was quite good, apparently, for Elveston. And Degs, he kept him up till about 4am in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and he was drinking rum, and the guy with Degs, he was like, and Degs, he was chucking it away. <laughs> And he told me the story and he said the guy got up in the morning and he didn't know where he was. <laughs> so I don't know if that was true, but that's that from Dexy. But yeah, that that season, you know, we batted first in nearly every game by choice. Because our strength was getting whatever we could on the board and we were quite confident we could defend it. So that was our we stuck with it throughout the throughout the competition really, didn't we? Yeah, defended. I think we defended 150s, 160s yeah. in the you know, yeah. quarterfinals, you know, yeah. out here and uh, big crowds watching. The highest score we had was in the final, actually. Yeah. yeah. But to be fair to Lords, you know, they treated it as any final would be at Lords. You know, you had the, the scoreboard in operation, you had the announcer, it was there. Let me tell you, the tees were absolutely to die. <laughs> you walked through the long room as well, yeah. I guess, to go out onto the pitch. And, and to be fair, after the match, I think lots of supporters. They were very relaxed in fairness to them to to allow supporters into into the long room. There are all kinds of roars in a cricket game, but there's nothing beats the roar of a crowd when a wicket is taken by a fast bowler. So that it must have been fantastic when each of those six wickets was taken. But the, the, the crowd started singing Carolan and 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 it, you just because it although relatively small in number, it would resonate right around the ground, you know, and, and, and it was just, it, and that's why, you know, this town world is, is, is committed to the, the village cup, it's, it's one that we'll always enter. Um, I'll tell you a story I was involved with that some of the boys remember, not that particular year, but going back a long time before that, where we played a side called Chew Magna from Somerset in which probably the last 16 competition again probably the first we've got yeah but this particular Sunday I think it was the second Sunday the first Sunday was washed out no play second Sunday it rained all day again and um, by the rules of the competition it had to be decided in a bowl out like your penalty shootout in football so lo and behold um, we went first and we scored well, we hit the wickets three times I was one of them to hit. Markham Jones, keeper. Phil Williams. Phil Williams and myself. So we were 3-0. Uh, and then they were all 11 went first and we scored three. And then they went and they scored two out of the first three. And then missed the next eight. So we won 3-2 in a bowl night. That was quite, uh, quite an achievement, quite something to, to, to remember. We did lose 1-0 on a bowl out last year. Last night. year as well. Yeah. Yeah. Those are days that you'll you'll never forget I guess as, as, as cricketers do you want to tell me a little bit about how the club is doing now and some of the new things that have happened in the past few years because I know the club is, is growing and expanding in its interest to different sections of the community yeah so we are playing in South Coast Premier League Division 2 and we've always been towards the top of the division most of the years um, we do have ambitions to, to try and get into Premiership 1, but we haven't managed it yet. So that's the, the senior first team. We've got second team, 
and we also have the 13 <coughs> who now play in the South Wales Cricket Association. It used to be, what do we say, what was it called? The West, West, West Wales, Wales Cricket Association, and then we decided that we would move into the South Wales Cricket Association <coughs> now 13. 13 play over the park. Uh, we have a women's section now, and have done for the last three years, is it? Three or four. Yeah. We have probably 50 or so active women that come and play cricket. Some of it is social on a Sunday, so it's um, festivals. But we do now have two competitive teams, a first and a second ladies team that enter a league. We have a team called the Tower Strikers, and they are an Asian team running from our club. They've been running for about two years as well. This will be the third year. The third year. So it'll be the third year. The Asian community in Swansea is not huge compared to Cardiff. You know, Cardiff have, and Cardiff have new product, the largest uh, number. Um, we just make it easier for them to find the ground and facilitate that. We've, we've, sometimes we just take the junior section for granted. There's, we've got nine sites. Uh, girls teams and mixed mixed teams, you know, it really challenges you as as a group of volunteers, by the way, because if you haven't got the volunteer support, none of this would happen. None of it would happen. Um, so I think we're trying to honour the community approach. We're just trying to make sure that it is cricket for all. Uh, I quite like what Ashana said earlier. You know, she's uh, just announced to the committee that we've already got. Uh, 70 odd all stars and um, dynamos. I don't know if, you know, for a club with one school and one pub. Yeah. We are proud though of, really proud of you know, the way that we do try to welcome everybody into our club. Yeah. And we're not big headed, but we know we're doing a good job at it. People love coming here and we love to receive them and entertain them mentioned earlier youngsters getting involved playing junior cricket but then perhaps getting to a point where there are other things that take up their attention whether that whether that be sporting attractions or otherwise the challenge is moving from a 20 over game which lasts two hours to playing a 50 over game this afternoon which lasts six seven eight hours and that's the challenge of getting those boys to give up the whole day in a saturday where you could be playing you know it could be an hour away where you're playing so you are talking the whole day until you're leaving here half 10, 11 o'clock, we might not be going back until 9 o'clock at night. So it is that challenge of getting the boys to give up a day when there are so many other alternatives. And, you know, to a certain extent as well, the, it's, it's the instant generation now, isn't it, where people of a certain age don't wait. And to a certain extent, some of the players coming through, they don't want to serve their cricket in apprenticeship either. They don't want to do that three, four years, which... Years ago, it seemed that people would do it because that's the way it was. But now, I think it's more if I'm not playing first-team cricket, then I'm not interested. We've talked for 40, 45 minutes. We haven't mentioned Glamorgan. We haven't mentioned England. We haven't mentioned Test cricket or anything like that. I wonder now, I mean, those things must interest you as cricketers. Does it matter whether that stuff goes well, goes badly? You'd still love your game here with Anastawi and, and, the, and the village team and that would go on? Well, actually, irrespective of actually, what happens, we beat Glamorgan, don't we, didn't we? You know, I think it's fair to say that, you know, I'm a true supporter of Glamorgan. I know that we've had coach loads of our juniors go up and support 
um, when when we used to play down in yeah. St Helens, you know, uh, you take tables and things. Oh yeah. Um, I, you know, I I just think the movement is just that distance away. You know, um, um, you know we are good supporters. Um, Lots of global players have played here. Yeah. Um, we've played here, we've had dinners here. But I think you've hit the nail on the head, really. You know, Village Club is all about you know, us and as town, we're doing the best for our, com our community. Um, um, but then we're doing a damn good job. Uh, and, and, and you asked the question, which I'd just like to answer about you know what are the worries and concerns. All you can actually do is leave your own legacy. You know, the legacy of predecessors was gifting the ground by buying it for us. And, and, and you know, Phil and I talk frequently about let's make sure we leave it when we move on to pastures new as best we can. Um, and, and I think it's quietly ticking the boxes that, that we want to to make sure that. We have a shelf life, you know, we start, go back to a hundred and odd juniors will be here every Friday for 12 weeks. You have that over a few seasons, then, then you know, your future's pretty certain. Isn't it? You've certainly got a shelf life, Bob. <laughs> and, whether <it's> <laughs> and whether it's watching or playing or, or, or kind of being involved around the club, cricket still have a, a hold on on all of you still something that kind of you you love and certainly I am speaking for myself um, one of my ambitions has always been to watch some cricket in the Caribbean um, chat hasn't come along yet but may do this autumn um, so we're looking closely at that but yeah um, cricket's in the blood I think um, and also it's you know it's been lots of friendships made over the years that I've made with other um, cricket clubs um, and through playing. I'll always watch the game of cricket, um, but first and foremost these days I think as you've all alluded to, it starts with a Mr. Cricket Club. Funny little story, <clears throat> many many years ago when my son was, what I think under 13 or under 14, we had the club over the other side. My wife is of Polish ancestry and we fetched we, we sponsored, if you like, in the days before the war came down, her young cousin to come over. He was 15, and we were playing a Slavera, one of the, the poorer sides in the youth, but still it was a game of cricket and everybody was enjoying it. Beautiful evening, and we were out on the patio. I went in for a drink for everybody, came back out, and I thought, what's Dreddy doing there? Because I was scoring the book, he watched me, and he's Polish. He'd watched me, and he took over the scoring. And he'd never seen a game of cricket before, but he, he took over the scoring. It's a pity he wasn't a video now, he'd be up for the team scorer. But it always uh, sticks in my mind. And he loves, and he always asks about the club whenever we phone him or whatever, because he's 40, 40 something. And uh, we often converse, we, we often go out there, not for the last few years because of Covid, but, and he always asks how the club is and, you know, generally interested. So, 
you may start a cricket team in Poland. I think it's a type of club, isn't it, that everybody loves when you actually come to this club, especially when you're playing the likes of Kledduck and that, and you might have 200 people you're watching it. When you actually come here, it's hard to move away from it. Yeah. You want to come here again. Is, you want to come here all the time. Even a social part of it, you know what I mean? It's, it's such a busy club as well, and the football in it, you know what I mean? It's, it's hard to get away from it, isn't it? Like you mm. said, look how long you guys have been here. Yeah. I do it for the love of the game and the love right. of the village, because... You know, you've got the chairman, the secretary, they get nothing out of it. You know, if it's a rugby club now, you might get an international ticket yeah. as a reward yeah. for what you do. Yeah, but yeah. In cricket, there's nothing, is there? And no. we just do it because we love it. We love it, yeah. General blood. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Gents, I've taken up too much of your time. Thank you ever so much. I guess I just want to wish you all the very best for this coming season Thank in you. all your endeavours um, and hope that the club continues to thrive and uh, bring lots of people to the great game of cricket. Thanks for coming along. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many thanks to Phil, Lewis, Ian, Kerry, Steve, Jason and Paul for spending some time with us on what was a very busy committee evening. If you want to contact the club, you can reach them via their Facebook page or via their Twitter feed, which is at Anastawi underscore YCC. Next week, we'll be joined by Ammonford's Caribbean King, Linton Lewis. He had some incredibly successful years at the club in the 1980s, and we got him back together with some of his teammates to discuss the old days and some of his fantastic innings for Ammonford. So do join us again next week when we'll be sharing some more stories about the great game of cricket from the great country of Wales. Bye Bye for now. Oes gyda chi stori yw'r rhannu gyda ni? Mae'n croes eich gysylltu e-bosiwch mwcpod1921 at gmail.com neu ewch i'n tudalen Facebook Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast neu i'n tudalen Twitter at Welsh Cricket Pod Do you have a story you'd like to share with us? If so, please contact email mwcpod1921 at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast, or our Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod.